Well, good morning. We're looking at lesson number six here today. Faith is ratified by good works. Okay, thank you. Hopefully you find this interesting. Uh, any prayer requests before we get started here today? Mark? Okay. What you, yes. Just an update on my sister. Um, I asked her about the results of her echo on her. What did she have about? EEG. Uh, and they never found anything really that would explain why she's having these dizzy spells and fainting. So it's discouraging for her. She's hoping to find some answers. Come on. She's even been in the store grocery shopping and she's had to sit down in the aisle and just wait for it to pass. So. Wow. Yeah. That's Kristen. Yeah. Okay. Keep praying for Margie. That uh, knee still talking to her. Kind of makes you want to hang on to the knees you have and not, <laughs> not let them whittle on them. But uh, I'm sure in time it will be better. Okay. All right. Well, praise the Lord. We got a new furnace and it's working. <laughs> and yeah, like a babysitting that thing for a while <laughs> let's pray heavenly father we thank you for the way you do provide for us we thank you for a beautiful day you've given us thank you for freedom to come here to worship to study your word and uh, pray that you use the sunday school hour as well as the morning service to minister to our hearts through your holy spirit we ask that you might uh, continue to work in Mark's family's life for those who don't know Christ as Savior, that they might be open and receptive to it. You'd bring other people into their lives, too, that would be telling them the uh, same thing that Mark's been talking to them about for quite some time now. Uh, for Bob Prushak, pray that you continue to work in his heart, give him spiritual wisdom and making right decisions get his priorities right. We think of Jenny, and she's found out this, uh, she has cancer, and you give the doctors wisdom and knowing best how to treat it. 
pray you continue to encourage her through this process and that she might be uh, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if she hasn't already and be looking to you for the help and strength to go through the treatments or whatever is yet ahead for her. Uh, for the unspoken for Mark and Allie, pray your will might be accomplished there. Uh, pray you continue to strengthen and bring healing to Margie. Um, and uh, she wouldn't have any uh, problems that uh, they haven't anticipated. Help her with the physical therapy and things like that that uh, no doubt cause a fair bit of pain. And yet it's necessary to get her back up on her feet again. Um, pray for Kristen as she's been dealing with this dizziness and fainting spells for quite some time and the doctors can't seem to figure out what's causing it. We pray that you'd uh, help her to be able to find somebody that uh, could give her some insight into this and best know how to deal with it. But we know ultimately you're the great physician. We trust that you might bring uh, this to an end and restore her health. We ask that you guide us in our study here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... Faith is ratified by good works. Uh, you've no doubt had people uh, tell you at some point in time they love you. Um, and yet uh, the question is, do they back it up with their life, with their actions? Uh, those are words that are, should be easy for people to say, although some people even struggle being able to say that. But whether it's a husband-wife relationship, you know, there's uh, things that we can back it up and there's a multitude of different ways. It's not just flowers and chocolate, but uh, getting in there and helping out with things, whether it's uh, helping with the kids, uh, washing the dishes once in a while, doing some laundry. Um, I remember when our kids were little and I was trying to figure out what I could do to help Maureen out and... Uh, decided, well, I could do the wash. And that's back when they, before everybody was using disposable diapers. <laughs> so there's a little extra bit of fun thrown in there. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, backing up what we say with action. And that's what we're talking about here with uh, our salvation. Uh, it ought to be our faith you know, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, I've trusted Christ for salvation, but then to back it up with your life. Is there any evidence of it, you know? Um, thing is, and we'll see this as we go along here today, or I hope we do, uh, there's a difference. You and I, can't. what we can see is visual. We can see people's actions. We can't see their heart. God can see their heart. He knows exactly where they're at, what they're thinking, what kind of relationship they have with him. But we don't. All we can go by is what we see in other people's lives. And uh, it ought to be evident by our actions that we know the Lord. And so we're going to look at that here a little bit closer um, uh, today. And again, there is... Yeah, We'll see this as we go along, but there, there's, there's no contradiction here because, you know, Paul said we're saved by faith, all right? James is not saying we're saved by works. He's, 
he knows that we need to be we're saved by faith too but he expands a little bit on it saying that it ought to be backed up by works it ought to be evident to other people <clears throat> and so um he's he's talked about this we look here in james and we saw there in james uh, we were told to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Uh, and then he gets into chapter 2, and we saw here last week that um, uh, as being a doer of the word, we're not to be guilty of discrimination. We ought not to be showing favoritism towards one group or individuals and, and uh, kind of ignoring others. And uh, then he gets here now to uh, James uh, 2, verse 14 and following. And he says, we ought to be doers of the word and uh, that our genuine faith would be demonstrated by our works. So we look at this and uh, there in James 2, 14, he says, what doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works. Can faith save him? Okay, so he's not doubting the faith part of it. You know, that's necessary. But he says, if you don't see the works, you don't see it backed up. Is it real genuine faith that this person has? Because you'll get people that, you know, again, that will tell you, oh yeah, you know, me and God are like this, you know, and and uh, various things. But there's, ab- there's zero evidence of uh, of a relationship with the Lord in that in their uh, the way that they want to serve the Lord or in how that they seek to serve others and um, and so here James is is talking about this matter of of faith and works now again for the most part uh, again these are primarily Jews. Uh, they've been scattered. He's still talking to the same group. And, but they've had a misunderstanding from way back about the law and about where works fit in. Uh, there were people uh, throughout the uh, history of the Jewish people that thought they could be justified by law-keeping. They thought, you know, we're keeping the law. Is it possible to keep the law? You can try real hard, but how much, of, how much do you have to mess up before you're not saying you're, you're keeping the law? One point, you know. <laughs> all that there is, you mess up one time. It's, you know, it's strike one, you're out, all right? And, and so nobody's able to keep the law. And God never intended... Uh, or knew from the very beginning that people couldn't keep the law. He, they couldn't measure up to God's standard. And that was part of the purpose of it. Uh, we see that it talks about it, it being a schoolmaster. The idea was to help people see, I can't keep the law. I can't live perfectly. You know, um, I'm coming up short. I, I need a savior. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had the sacrifices along the way. But that was a temporary covering. It didn't really take away all their sin. They needed a, ultimately, they needed a Messiah. They needed a Savior. But there were Jewish people, again, religious leaders, that thought that they could, um, you know, do enough good works, 
enough good stuff that that pretty much guaranteed their entrance into heaven. And uh, Jesus gave a parable there in Luke 18. You might remember that one. It's the, the, uh, the, uh, the Pharisee and the publican or the tax collector, okay? Uh, and the, the Pharisee is saying, boy, you know, <clears throat> I'm awesome. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sure glad I'm not like this guy over here. You know, and he, you know, he, he uh, went to church or went to the temple every time he was supposed to go. He gave tithes all the way down to the, the items in his garden. He did everything, you know, all the check marks, you know. And so he thought he was, he was at the top of the hill. He was, and yet the other guy said that he wouldn't even so much as lift up his head. He smote himself on the chest and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that's the one who went home, you know, justified. Okay, that's the one who, whose sins were forgiven. It wasn't the guy that thought he'd arrived, that he was doing everything right, because he was do, make, getting all the check marks, you know. And, and so um, does that attitude still exist today? Yeah. What, what type of things do you think people are dependent on that's going to, God's going to swing the door wide open for them when they get to, if they get it, get to the gates of heaven. Go to church on Christmas and Easter, and help volunteer in the choir. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, help with the fish fries, whatever else is going on. Okay. Yeah, it's and uh, that was the way it was with the Pharisees. You know, it was all this I, 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 I stuff. Well, if we could do it all and get there by ourselves, Christ never would have had to come. We need to get that in our own heads. And uh, the fact that we couldn't, uh, we needed a Savior. We're all, we're all going to come up short. And, and so, but again, a lot of people are still out there today thinking, you know, they're a good guy. They're the ones with the white hat because... Uh, they're doing lots of good things, and you know it's good people that go to heaven. Um, unfortunately, that's not what the Bible says. You know, it, they're still looking at this uh, old balance scale. You know, good works versus bad works. As long as I got enough good works that'll outweigh the bad, then I'm in. Okay. Uh, how do you ever know if you've done enough? You don't. Okay. And besides, that doesn't work, and Scripture tells us that. Now, James had no doubt taught them, even as we see there in, in Titus 3, 5, he says, it's not by works of righteousness, which we've done, okay? It's not by good works that we're going to get into heaven. And, and he sought to, to teach them that, but he says, one of the things that we're lacking, and they very well might be saved, they, they maybe have trusted Christ, but he says, what's lacking is a demonstration of that. We're not seeing it. You know, uh, and they're not demonstrating that relationship before others. Can anybody tell by looking at your life, uh, as as well as listening to your lips, that you're a Christian? Is there anything any different about you than the guy next door or somebody else that you work with? Uh, he's saying there, it ought to be evident in in our ser- desire to serve the Lord, and then how we treat our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You know, are we there? Are we available? Are we helpful? Or are we pretty much me-centered and I'm just taking care of me and mine? Now, I realize we can keep busy uh, just taking care of me and mine. But we need to look beyond self and our own families to see how we can be of help and encouragement to other people. He, he points out, even in the Old Testament, you know, this isn't just a New Testament teaching, but even in the Old Testament, they were challenged to uh, minister to others, to look after the widows and the orphans and, and the other people that were in need. And so um, what does Jesus, you know, you stop and think about, what did he say was the two greatest commandments? We'll probably get the first one. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and that's in, in Matthew 22, uh, verse 37 and, and following. He says, um, uh, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we're, we're to love the Lord, we're to love others, and again, not just verbally, you know, a, a hug or handshake, but to be available to other people, to be of help to them. And, and so James says there in verse 14, you know, what profit, if, if you say something, you know, you, you say that um, you have faith, but there's, there's no evidence of works uh, to back it up. Uh, you know, as they say, you know, talk's cheap. It's, it's easy to say things. Uh, and people at times will openly confess their relationship with Christ. But again, there's no accompanying works that go with it. Uh, it's not, it doesn't say it's verified. And, and as I mentioned... The Lord can look at the heart. He knows where we're at. People can't. All we can go, well, all we can go by is what we see. And uh, again, this is not anything different than what Paul's saying. We're just focusing on some, a different aspect of it. But um, both Paul and uh, James are saying that we are saved by faith through grace. Okay? But, and what tells us that? Where do we find that? Okay, and that's usually where we stop. 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I mean, that's about as clear as you can get. So where's the works come in? Well, that's where you read on in verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto or for the purpose of good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, so God has, but we got to get them in the right order. It's not the works so we're saved. It's you're saved, and after you're saved, God's got a to-do list for you to do. He's got some works designed specifically for you to use your talents, your abilities, uh, to be able to serve him and to serve others. Uh, he gives us spiritual gifts. And uh, he says they were before ordained. It wasn't just, oh, what in the world am I going to do with this one? <laughs> you know, 
Uh, no, he he's got he's got a, the list already made out. You know, guys, you got a honeydew list at home. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to call God's list. Maybe it's, I guess we ought to call it God's will. Okay, God's got a plan, and uh, there are certain things that He wants for us to do. We need to be open and receptive to that. Not as well. My list is kind of full, God. I don't know. We'll see if we can't squeeze something in here at the end. <coughs> But again, that's when we trust Christ for salvation, uh, our destiny is changed from hell to heaven. And uh, he says our, our motivations ought to change too. He's given us uh, a new heart, a new mind, and uh, that we ought to want to serve the Lord out of gratitude for what he's done for us and, and not doing works anticipating that maybe if we do enough that we'll get saved no it's we want to serve the lord because again of all he's already done for us and again you've heard me say that but i think it you know if the lord never did another thing for us you know the rest of our lives you know just providing salvation for us we didn't we didn't deserve it we can't earn it but he made it available to us uh, and it, it's going to last for eternity. That's the, that's the only thing out there that doesn't have an expiration date on it. And, and so uh, he, he poses a real-life situation, uh, and here what he's talking about, you, you get somebody that comes to you, and they share a particular need. Uh, let's, let's say it's another brother or sister in Christ. And uh, is it enough to just simply say, well, I'll pray for you? when you have the ability to meet the need of that individual. You know, it's really, I'll pray that somebody else will meet your need, <laughs> so I don't have to. If you, and he's saying, if that's the case, then your faith is, is really kind of dead. You know, it's empty. Uh, if we have a legitimate way of meeting the needs, and we can't meet everybody's needs. You know, it's like they used to give the illustration of, if you have all the, the world's hungry uh, at your door, you know, and they come knocking, what do you do? You open the door and say, I can't do anything and slam the door shut. Or you say, throw a few more <laughs> uh, glasses of water into that, that stew pot and we'll do what we can as long as we can. And when it's gone, it's gone, right? Uh, at least you tried. You tried to do something. Maybe you, you're, and none of us can meet everybody's needs, whether it's your your family or friends or, or whoever it might be. But, uh, you know, the thing is, are we, do we just talk about it or do we do something about it? And um, here in John, and he, later on, he says there in, in, chapter, or, uh, in John chapter 4, he says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen... How can he love God whom he has not seen? So he's saying genuine love for God is, is evidenced by how we treat the rest of God's family, all right? Our brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as our physical brothers and sisters. Um, and, and so he's saying our genuine faith, again, ought to be uh, evidenced uh, by others. And if it's not there, Something's wrong. And, uh, you know, maybe we need a wake-up call. You know, and, I, and I'm and i not one to, 
um, to doubt people's salvation. You know, and I'm, I don't know where to draw the line where it's, okay, they really are saved, but they really are selfish. And all they think about is themselves and me and my needs and everybody else's, you're on your own, you know. Uh, or, you know, if they just maybe were never saved. I don't know. That's, you know, God knows that. Uh, <clears throat> what about the people who say, well, I believe in God. Is that enough to get him in? No. <laughs> he says there in, in, uh, in 219, um, he says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Okay? <laughs> uh, you, aren't any, you aren't any better than the devil. God, he believes in God. <clears throat> and that's, you know, because some people try to skirt around Jesus. They don't want to deal with Jesus. Well, folks, you can't say, I believe in God, I'm going to heaven, and have nothing to do with Jesus. Folks, <laughs> there, what, is it, what does it say? There's one way to heaven, right? It's not all roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am one of the ways you get there? No, I am the way, okay? That's probably not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. You know, he's the way. You, you have to trust in Christ. Well, he goes on to, to provide some examples. And uh, one of those that he chooses uh, is out of all the list. you know, we, uh, Hebrews just before uh, James, and there in Hebrews chapter 11, often referred to as the, as the faith chapter, because there's a whole list of individuals there that were really heroes of the faith. And he picks two. And he, he talks there, uh, first of all, about Abraham. Abraham was, God used him to uh, really get the Israelites up and going, the, the Jewish uh people and to turn them towards the Lord and the other one he chooses uh, is that of Rahab and we look there in verse 20 and 21 he says uh, but thou will know O vain man that faith without works is dead was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up a Isaac his son upon the altar now again this <laughs> If you don't think about it, you might be thinking, well, he's just saying you're, you must be, you're justified by works. But what caused Abraham to do the work that he did? What came first? Right. And, and so, um, you know, way back in Genesis chapter 22, uh, we see, well, to begin with, you know, God says, you know, to leave. Your, your homeland, your family, and go to this promised land that I've got for you. And, and he gets there, and, and time goes by, and you know, God says, I'm going to give you a son, and, and, um, and eventually does, okay? It takes longer than Abraham thought it should take. <laughs> uh, he kind of about given up hope, but you know, God provided a son, and uh, it gets to the point where God's Tells him, I want you to go and make a sacrifice. And your son is going to be that sacrifice. You ever put yourself in that position? Think, 
Sacrifice. I guess I was thinking about that with this guy down there in South Carolina that killed his wife and son. How in the world can you do that? Um, but, he, you know, here he's, he's to sacrifice. And, and yet he goes, okay, and so <laughs> they're, they're going, they're, him and Isaac, and they've got the wood strapped on his back and got the fire and they got everything but the sacrifice. Hmm. You know, and, and uh, they, they go up the mount, and you stop and think, <laughs> and uh, talk about an obedient son. How many sons are going to stand there and let dad tie up your hands and feet and put you up on an altar and make you the sacrifice? You'd be running down the hill. <laughs> Dad's lost it. But when, you know, Abraham didn't know, he didn't, he didn't know how things exactly were going to work out. But when he left the, the servants, he says, you know, I and the lad will come back. Now, if, if God allows me to, to kill him, he's going to raise him up again, if that's what it takes. And folks, that's faith. And uh, we see here, um, God, he believed that God had the ability to restore him. Uh, we look here, and well, let me read a couple of verses here. Hebrews 11, uh, verse 17 to 25. And, faith, and by faith, Abraham, when was tried or tested, offered up Isaac, and he had received the promise offered up by his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall the seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even, if, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. Okay, but uh, we see here that um, that instance, that in itself, caused God to say that he's justified. Not because so much the actions, I mean, the people could see that or hear about it later, uh, but God saw his heart, that he was, and it was really a picture of the father willing to give up his best, his only son, like the father was going to give Jesus there on the cross. And uh, there he says, uh, he's justified. By that, God saw his heart, and, and he believed God. And, and so his, his belief was played out into the actions, because he's, he's ready to plunge the knife in him, if you remember the account. And they hear the bleeding of the sheep. God provided another sacrifice. Uh, and yet, you know, Paul's take on this he's looking at he's justified in the eyes of god because of his belief right but again it was the same thing he had to believe before he would act right but there was both he believed and he acted thing is in our lives we need to believe but we also need to act to be doing the works that god has uh before ordained that we should do that and so uh, there are other times, though, when uh, 
we see here that there was no act involved, and that's when backing up before Isaac was born and God had told him that he was going to have a son, and, and he believed God. And, and it said that God credited, accredited him with righteousness, or he was justified. He exercised faith, and, and there was no work that was involved there. And, and so, again, God's looking at the heart, and man looks at our outward actions, okay? And, and so, um, again, we're, we're still doing that, though, right? <laughs> we look at people, man looketh what? On the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, okay? Things really haven't changed that much. And, and so, um, what, so how do we know? You know, because sometimes, you know, we've kind of got it in our own head, you know, what people ought to say in a prayer <laughs> uh, when they trust Christ for salvation. And uh, in some groups might do it differently than we, but God knows the heart. He knows what's going on there. Is it the prayer that saves the person? Or is it what they knows, God knows what's going on in their heart before they ever say the prayer? Is we're just kind of vocalizing what's going on in our minds. God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only one uh, that can save me and that his shed blood is able to cleanse away my sin. We're thinking this stuff, okay? Uh, and, and so, you know, God looks at the heart. And so he tells us there in Romans chapter 8 um, and verse 16, he says, uh, but the Spirit itself, talking about the Holy Spirit, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God gives us that confidence that we're, <laughs> what we did was the right thing. You know, the devil's the one who makes us doubt. You know, doubt, you know, he started this with Adam and Eve, and because it worked, he's still using it on us today. But, you know, oh, I, I did this. Does that mean I'm not saved? Yeah. You can, can you still do bad stuff even though you're saved? Yeah. <laughs> we still have that capability. Unfortunately, it's old nature still in there. And if we're following that one instead of our new nature, it's going to lead us in the wrong direction. Uh, but we see here that um, uh, he also um, talked here about, well, let's, let's go on here a minute. Let me back up. To, let me get back in James here. Okay, and he says, uh, verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified or declared righteous by works when he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by his works was faith made perfect? Okay, so he's exercising his faith. He's demonstrating his faith. He believed God. And, and the scripture was fulfilled that which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome to have it notated for people thousands of years later to know that God counted you as his friend? I mean, that's, that's pretty special, you know? And uh, 
And, and yet we see here, we, also, we, we still have the privilege of being a part of God's family. And uh, that happens when we trust Christ alone for our salvation. Uh, he says, uh, uh, ye see then how that by works a man was justified and not by faith only. Okay, So he had faith. You know, what, what do you think? Okay, if Abraham says, I've got faith in you, God. I, I think you can raise up um, uh, Isaac if I were to, to slay him as a sacrifice. But let's don't waste each other's time. I'm going to climb that mountain and, and uh, put him up on the altar and get ready to stick a knife in him. Uh, we'll just call it even. That's faith, but no works. What do you think? Would God have said, yeah, I, I, I guess I can, <laughs> we could go on that. No, he's, it's really, it's a test. <laughs> you know, how much do you believe? Do you really believe me? You know, <laughs> you know, and there are probably different times in our own lives when we're tested. Uh, do you really believe that God's, going to meet your need here in in this particular instance you know is God going to follow through and say what he what he said he would do in scripture Um, well he was tested we might be tested at some point in time but then he goes on and he gives another illustration here Uh, and and he he says uh, likewise also verse 25 uh, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Now, if we had more time, we'd go back to Joshua uh, 2 and, and read those uh, first 15 verses. But I think we probably remember, do you remember how that works? You know, Moses sends out spies into the land to check. You know, they, they cross the river. They, they're going to spy out the land. And they're going to check out Jericho. Okay, this is kind of the where the target is at. Let's go check out Jericho. And they go there. And uh, they ended up staying at Rahab's house. Why do you think they would go there? Of all the places in town. Yeah, there's a lot of people coming and going. They probably wouldn't think too much of strangers coming in and out of there. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I mean, they didn't have Motel 6. Somebody didn't leave the light on for them. You know, they, back in those days, you, you stayed with somebody, okay? Well, they end up going there, okay? And, and uh, she finds out who it is, and it isn't like, hey, I'll keep these guys busy. You go tell the, you know, the, the police, neighborhood police, and get them over here, and we'll get these guys. No, she had heard about their God ahead of time. Word spread, okay? Now, they didn't have emails. They didn't have uh, newspapers and all the rest of that. But word spread about what had happened. And this had happened over a period of years. She'd heard how God had got them out of Egypt. <laughs> you know? I mean, nobody walks away from Egypt. Not, you know, not a million people just walk out and leave, all right? That, that was their workforce, okay? Uh and then she heard about how God sustained them for 40 years in the desert. You know, 
how long do you think we'd survive out in the desert without God's help? <laughs> what they say? Three days without water and you're, you're toast? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so they, how God had, had taken care of those years of wandering, uh, wilderness wandering, how he had dealt with various other kings and just wiped them out, okay? And these guys weren't soldiers, you know? They had been slaves, and their kids were slaves. And, uh, and yet they defeated these other armies. And, and so it is by her own statement, she, she believed their God was the true God, okay? And, and these probably, she's probably excited, can you tell me more about it? You know, they, and because uh, that wasn't the God that the people of Jericho worshipped. And, and she, the thing was, she was willing to risk her life to protect these guys, takes them up, hides them on the roof, covers them up with whatever sticks or whatever, you know, when they come looking for them. And, um, you know, she, she's willing to risk her life for these people. She believed, you know, as much as she knew about God. And, you know, sometimes people talk about, well, yeah, and then there's this uh, scarlet cord, you know, hanging out of the window and they try to make um, read a lot into the color of that that uh, cord or whatever. And really, that cord was just to let them know that that's where Rahab lived and her family. You know, don't go in and kill everybody in that house. Uh, primary reason that she's uh, justified is because of her faith in, in God and the true God, and, and so she's risking her life for the for these spies. And had she not hid them, you know, they would have no doubt uh, been slain. And she tells them how to, you know, she hides them and the people come looking for them. And, you know, they, you know, it's like, oh, they went that away. <laughs> Sends them on a wild goose trip, you know, and then after they go up into the mountains and hide in the mountains for several days until these guys have come back. And then you can go back to your own home place. But, you know... <laughs> Please save me and my family. And uh, we, we go on here and we see uh, verse 25. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Well, again, it wasn't that she hid them and then believed. She believed in their God before she ever hid him. She's willing to risk her life because she believe that you know god was in this and you know and you know it's like i'm on the wrong side of the law and yet i'm still in this town she she and all her family didn't flee at that point but uh, she knew that things were going to happen that could take her and her family out he says for the body without the spirit is dead so faith without works is dead also okay uh it I don't know, I'm trying to think of an illustration here real quick, but it's, it's like uh, there's got to be a heartbeat. <laughs> there's got to be some action if there's life in our body. And uh, breathing, you know, when the, somebody's, you find somebody flat out on, on the floor, you, you want to check their pulse. Are they, are they alive? You know, is there some action going on here? Well, same thing in our life. If there's faith there, it ought to be followed by, Action. It ought to be followed by works, uh, both wanting to serve the Lord, using our talents and ability for God, and then also uh, how we treat others. 
You know, treat our neighbors, love our neighbors as ourselves. Well, we usually take pretty good old self, and we ought to seek to care for others in a similar way. And and so here he's again. There's there's no conflict between Paul that we're saved by faith or James. It's just James goes another step further and saying. Yes, you need the faith, but it ought to be backed up. It ought to be demonstrated in your life. And so, again, uh, talk's cheap, uh, but he says you, it not, you need to have evidence. And you've heard that, that qu- uh, question posed. If you were on trial being charged being a Christian, and it could happen someday, <laughs> Is there enough, enough evidence in your life to convict you? It, you know, if, if somebody had been following you around with a, with a camera uh, without you knowing about it, just observing your life, how you do your daily business and, and uh, interact with other people and er, er, just how you respond to others, could they tell that you're a Christian? I mean, I think there's a lot of nice people out there in the world. I mean, they never make the news, okay? You know, it's only the bad guys that seem to make the news. But there are good people out there as far as doing good for others, you know, that aren't saved. You know, what makes us any different than, than them? Uh, and, and if they can do that in an unsaved state, treat others well, shouldn't we as believers be doing that? You know, and uh, again, think of, you know, what's the thing that could be a stumbling block for us? Um, I was thinking about that the other day. I was reading some devotion and it was talking about anger, you know, and uh, or frustrated or whatever. And I don't think it mentioned it in that point, but it brought back something else I'd read another time. It's, you know, sometimes we get mad and angry or frustrated for one thing or another basically bottom line it's and we don't want to call it that or admit to it sometimes but selfishness <laughs> things didn't work out the way i wanted you know and uh, we can be selfish christians you know we're trying to do our best to care for our family and things like that but we've got a really small circle you know and as we saw last week <laughs> Uh, we're not to um, to show favoritism towards one group or another. You know, do we reach out to, to other people outside of our comfort zone? You know, and may have thought too much about our comfort zone, but you stop and think about, okay, what group of people do I tend to associate with or try to talk to or which ones do I kind of avoid or I don't feel comfortable around or whatever? They're all lost, you know, from all groups of people. And God wants us to respond in reaching out to others in, in the area of salvation. We'll touch more on that here this morning with, with Andrew. But um, again, might be thinking about that. Do I give evidence of my faith? You know, and, and if not, why? You know, is, <laughs> well, what needs to change in our lives? You know, if, if we were sitting in James' church and he was staring at us, you know, <laughs> wondering what we're, you know, trying to bring conviction into our lives. How do we respond? You know, and the thing is, it's not that we have to keep James happy, 
But one of these days, again, we're going to stand before the Lord, judgment seat of Christ, not to decide whether or not we're, we're into heaven or not. Well, that's already been decided, but he's going to, going to be asking us about our lives, you know. And uh, that question might come up, you know. How come you weren't demonstrating more of your faith before others? Again, that's what people see. And if we are talking to them about the Lord, then we really need to make sure that we're backing it up. Because uh, you remember what, what they call people who, who say one thing and do something else? Hypocrites. We don't hear that very often anymore. That used to be a, oh, I'm not going to church because all those hypocrites. Have we all changed that much? Or they just don't use that word. <laughs> they may have something else to say. Something to think about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, too, that um, we're not just treading water here till our the clock ticks and our time's up and you take us home to heaven, that you do have a plan and purpose for each one of our lives. It may change somewhat through the years what we're capable of doing, uh, but you nevertheless have a plan for us. You've got works that you want us to accomplish. Uh, both for you and for others. And we pray that we might be open and willing to respond to those, whatever they might be. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming. <laughs>